Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 216 and this episode is with one of our community members and lead sports scientist at Exeter City, Max Kane. So it's great to get Max on the podcast. He's somebody that is constantly contributing to our chats in our community group, um, getting involved in the conversations and driving some great discussions in our group. We touched on his career, his background, We spoke about how to maximise internships and some of the reflections that he's had on doing two internships in football before he landed his first role. We spoke about um, landing his first role and some advice for young practitioners on getting that first opportunity. We also touched on how the roles that he's been in have differed from the different levels up until his current role now with Exeter and also the start to the role at Exeter, which I, I'll, I won't ruin, but um, yeah, a bit of a hectic start going into the new role with Exeter, which is something that just defines really what goes on in football. Um, but Max has dealt with it and yeah, settled into a, a good place now at that, at that club um, in the role as lead sports scientist as well. So we covered some great stuff in this episode. I think especially if you are a young practitioner either in an internship, internship, looking for an internship, maybe towards the back end of your internship, looking to land the first role, there's going to be some great advice in this episode for you. So make sure you have a pen and paper ready, ready to be all ears and listen carefully to some of the advice that Max got, because I think he gives some great practical advice um, for people in your position. Now, currently, we are looking into booking our first events, our networking events for 2023. And I'm delighted to say that without having an event fully confirmed just yet, we will be announcing some events for the start of next year very soon. But we're in discussions for events in the Northeast, the Northwest, Midlands, the Southeast, and also Scotland and over in Ireland as well. So, Keep an eye out on our social media at Football Fit Fed and we will be announcing events as soon as we have venues and speakers confirmed. So it'd be great to see you at some of our events next year in 2023. And just off the back of that, if you are interested in hosting an event um, or being part of it and speaking, please get in touch and uh, you can email us at mail at footballfitfed.com or drop us a DM, a message over on social media, either Twitter or Instagram, at FootballFitFed. Just before we get into the episode with Max, I want to say a huge thank you to our sponsors. First up, Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction for recovery? Hytro have developed the world's first BFR wearable, unlocking the recovery benefits of BFR to support athletes. BFR is no longer just for one-to-one physio or rehab. Hytro allows teams to use this safe and scalable sports BFR device post-exercise to dramatically enhance recovery. Whether in the change room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously, safely and more conveniently than ever before. You can check them out at hytro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com. Or email Warren, that's Warren Bradley, on warren at hydro.com to find out how Hydro BFR can give your athletes a competitive edge. And it's great to see some of the teams teaming up with Hydro, enhancing their recovery, um, not just in football, but across a number of different sports. So make sure you go and check them out on social media at Hydro. Also, as always, a huge thank you to Rezzle. Make sure you're following them on socials at Rezzle. And let's get into episode 216 of the podcast with Lee Sports Scientist at Exeter City, Max Kane. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. 
Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 216. I'm delighted to welcome on the podcast today, lead sports scientist at Exeter City, Max Kane. Max, how are we? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Ben. How are you, mate? I'm all good. Thank you, mate. It's great to have you on. So thanks for freeing up some time and coming on. No, I'm delighted to be on, mate. Awesome. Well, we've just had a really quite an in-depth chat about some of the stuff we're going to cover. So we need to try and get some of that into the actual recorded podcast now. But before we yeah. do that, um, let's go, as we normally do, mate, into your background. Give us a little bit of background on yourself. Yeah, so I guess uh, my career started in a pretty similar way to many other guests you've had on here before. Um, started playing football at a young age and quickly realised I wouldn't make it as professional. So for me, it was finding the next best way into professional football. Um, so... Back in 2015, I started a uh, sports science degree at the University of Essex. And then during my second year as a part of like uh, one of the modules, I had to, you know, fulfill some hours in, pra- in a practical setting. So um, it, w- it wasn't like a sandwich year or anything like that. It was more a case of getting 120 hours over the course of, of, the, of the year. Uh, so I ended up getting a first team in- uh, internship at Colchester United Football Club. And to be fair, like looking back on my time at Colchester, I've probably uh, let myself down quite a bit. Um, I didn't really maximise my time there. And, you know, I was quite naive in the fact that I probably went in once or twice a week as opposed to, you know, trying to immerse myself in that environment. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a bit of a frustrating one because looking back on it, I, I wish I was there more. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, I, I just didn't quite get that as much as I could have. Um but yeah, it did sort of teach me a few things. Um, I knew that there were some areas that I needed to upskill on. So it sort of, so for example, at the time I was doing my own sort of training in the gym, um, but it was more of a case of turning up to the gym and doing whatever it was I fancied on the day. But like seeing like an actual proper S&C sort of program and curriculum in place at Colchester, it made me realise that that was an area that I needed to upskill on. So uh, yeah, that led to me doing a, a, a personal trainer qualification during my final year at uni. And then Again, there was a few reasons behind that. I wanted to sort of upskill myself in in terms of gym experience and knowledge and confidence, but I also wanted to leave university and get a job that was a bit more specific to S&C in football, uh, as opposed to working like a supermarket or something like that. So yeah, I ended up doing a personal trainer qualification. And then when I left university, I uh, got a job as a personal trainer at my local gym, which is a Virgin Active in Bromley. Uh, and uh, there's a bit of a negative stigma, I feel like, around personal training, if I'm honest, because... And, and to an extent, I do get it uh, in terms of the qualification itself. So, like, if anyone's done the personal trainer qualification, they'll realise that, you know, the level of knowledge and, of, and theory that you need to have and the level of practical application you need to showcase, it's probably miles off when you compare that to something like a UKCA accreditation or a basis accreditation or anything like that. So, to, to an extent, I do understand that. But um, in terms of using personal training as a tool to develop yourself, like, I'd recommend that to anyone going forward. Uh, I don't think I'd be anywhere near where I am today if it, if it wasn't if it wasn't for that personal training. Um, I think it's a really good tool to sort of build your skills, confidence, experience within that gym environment. I mean, as a personal trainer, like I learned a lot. I, I made a lot of mistakes, but for me, it's them mistakes that you make that help you sort of develop as a practitioner. Uh, but yeah, I had a good time as a personal trainer. And then uh, I kind of knew because of the, the mistakes in my previous internship with me not maximising it, I, I knew I needed to get another internship in football to kind of supplement my CV and try to put them mistakes to bed a little bit. Uh, so I managed to get a, a first team internship with Crawley Town Football Club as an SNC coach. Uh, and then that kind of coincided with doing a strength and conditioning master's at St Mary's uh, University. And for anyone that's done that sort of uh, master's degree, they'll know it's like a part-time distance learning course. And for me, like that is like absolutely key because it kind of gives you that flexibility to to go and get your experience um, as opposed to, you know, when you're doing a full-time degree, you've got, to, you've got to be there a lot. You've got to dedicate a lot of time and effort to it. There's not really much flexibility that surrounds it. So as a result, it kind of limits your time in terms of getting your experience. Uh, but having that sort of flexibility with that, I was able to go and then do my personal training on top, go and do my sort of internship with Crawley Town. And as a result, I was able to sort of take the things from my lectures that I was learning in my own time. And with my sort of experience that I was able to do because of the flexibility of it, I was able to kind of apply what I was learning. So I think without actually, you know, having people to apply what you're learning from, you know, it's, it's all well and good knowing all the fancy sort of training methods and, 
all the different kind of things that you learn from your lectures. But if you've got no athletes or, or people to apply that to, then it, I, I think it's really difficult uh, to kind of see that in action. So uh, having that internship with with Crawley and doing the personal training, I was really able to sort of build my own philosophy at quite quite early on. Um, so yeah, that, that was pretty, I, I'd probably say that was one of the best years of my development, I would say, because as I said, I had all the lectures going on. I had all the experience going there as well. I was really sort of building a philosophy at this point. I was quite lucky at the time as well because with uh, the SNC guy at the time at Crawley, Joel, he he gave me quite a lot of responsibility in terms of he let me lead like the old warm up. He let me take a few gym sessions, and as a result, I was able to then really build my philosophy in that environment. So it was getting to a stage where I was kind of felt like I was getting into my stride a little bit. Uh, I felt like I started to put the mistakes in my previous internship to bed. You know, I was it was getting to a point where I felt like I could probably get a paid job uh, in football. Um, so, you know, I was going for a few jobs here and there, like I was getting quite close as well. Like I was getting late in, into the late process of an application, uh, getting to interviews and being let down at the last moment. So I knew it was kind of coming, um, but then unfortunately this was the, the year of COVID. So then as I was just kind of getting into my strides, COVID happens and then all of a sudden everything gets shut down. Uh, so it kind of felt like a bit of a kick in the teeth, if I'm honest. And I felt like I was back at square one again. Um, you know, as I said, I felt like I was getting into my stride and then just out of nowhere, like I, everything just got taken away, basically. So, yeah, it was a bit of an uncertain time period as well. And to, to add to that, I, I just had an interview with uh, AFC Bournemouth as the uh, part-time academy sports science S&C coach. Uh, that would be working with the nines to 16s. And uh, obviously it was like a week or two after I had the interview, I got in contact and said, oh, have you got any feedback? Or, you know, have you got the outcome of my application? And uh, they got back to me and said, well, because of the because because of the lockdown you know we're not really sure what's going on and we're gonna have to put the application process on hold so i basically then went the whole lockdown again as uncertain because you know my internship had just been cut short i was waiting back for this sort of answer from my from job application with bournemouth it was just like i didn't know what was going on and it was as i just felt like it happened at such a frustrating time period for me because i, I felt like i was just getting into my stride as i said so but then, yeah, fast forward a few months and luckily um, I was sitting in a pub, funny enough, one day with all my mates and my phone goes off and it's Ben Bradley from Bournemouth and uh, I've answered the phone and he, he basically asked me if I was still interested in the role and I was like, I was a, I was a bit in shock really. I was like, I can't, I thought that you'd forgotten all about me. It's been, so, you know, this is a good five or six months after after I'd even applied for it. So I, I kind of assumed that nothing was going to come from it at this point. Uh, but yeah, he offered me the role, and then uh, a few weeks later, I started working at AFC Bournemouth, um, and that was a quite a. I was quite nervous going into that role, if I'm honest, because my previous experiences were all kind of working with first team uh, footballers, uh, and obviously as a personal trainer, you're never really working with kids anyway. Um, so, like, you know, I kind of knew the sort of different the differences between sports science and S and C within academy football, like, but I'd never seen that in in practice, so. It was a bit of a sort of dive into the deep end for me that uh, I didn't really know what to expect. And then on top of that, uh, with it being a part time role, um, you know, it didn't pay to the extent where I could sort of move down there and start renting a place or anything. So bear in mind, I live in Bromley. So that's that's a good two and a half hour drive. And, you know, academy football is for it was evening work, most of it. And then one one day of the weekend. So, you know, I was driving back and forward from Bromley and Bournemouth, you know, four to five times a week and it was it was horrendous I think uh I put a good 20,000 30,000 miles on my car that year um yeah it was absolutely crazy uh but to be fair like looking back on that time uh I don't actually regret I don't actually regret the driving because it was that sort of time in the car that I actually would then sort of listen to like your podcast I listened to Pacey podcasts all kinds of podcasts really and that is probably where a lot of my learning happens um a lot of the stuff that I do today is a derivative of the stuff that I've learned from from that time driving, listening to podcasts. So I kind of use that time wisely as opposed to, you know, just listening to music or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't really regret that at all. Um, but, yeah, I had a great time at Bournemouth. Um, anyone that's sort of seen Ben Bradley or David Johnson work will, will appreciate, you know, what top practitioners they are. I think you've had them on your podcast before as well. Uh, but they, they are unbelievable with what they can do. And I think what, what astonishes astonishes me more with it is, you know, as a Cat 3 Academy, you know, they, they maybe don't have the same resources as some of these sort of big clubs and Cat 1, Cat 2 Academy. So, you know, the level of output that them guys were able to produce with and, and the quality of output um, with, with minimal resources um, relative to some of these bigger academies, like it was just, you know, it's incredible. And as you can imagine, I learned 
absolutely loads during that year. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. And then I think as the year went on, I kind of started to realise that my passion was to more work within first team football. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, first team football and academy football, uh, the one's better than the other. It's just like, I think my my passion and my my skills and attributes are probably a little bit more suited to first team football. Um, so as a result of that, I, I was kind of looking for ways to, to get back into first team football. Um, and luckily around that time, um, I saw a role come up or a vacancy come up at Bromley Football Club, which is obviously my local team as the head of sports science. And obviously for that, you know, there, there was a few key reasons as to why that, that role would have been perfect for me. So obviously with the driving, um, you know, Bromley is a five minute drive away from where I live as opposed to two and a half hour. It's a, it's a full-time environment. Uh, so obviously at this point, I'd never worked in a full-time capacity. So I felt like work going into full-time work would be a good way to develop myself. Uh, Bromley Football Club uh, are, are a national. They are a national league team. Uh, they're a full-time outfit, and they, they they they've got quite a high ambition as well. Um, you know that they've all got this ambition to go up and and to achieve and all that kind of stuff. So it seemed like quite an exciting time period to be there. Um, so yeah, I went for the role, and um, luckily enough, I was able to get that role. Um, I did know somebody working within Bromley Football Club, which maybe helped me a little bit during the application process, but I still went for it as normal. Uh, I had to do the interview, had to meet the manager and all that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, I was lucky enough to get that role. And then back in June 2021, I started my role working at Bromley as the head of sports science. And that in itself was a completely different learning experience for me because, A, just like as I said, I, I'd never worked in a full-time capacity. So that kind of brought its own challenges. Um, there, there was a fitness coach before, but there wasn't really a proper sports science provision in place. So it was kind of a blank canvas for me to go in and, and really try and install something. So my previous experiences have kind of given me um, my philosophy and helped me formulate my philosophy, but I'd never really had a chance to go and install that myself from a departmental level um, and, and really try and build my own kind of thing. Um, so that was really attractive to me as well. Uh, but yeah, I had a really good year at Bromley. Uh, again, I learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes, but I think that's only normal, um, especially in your first year as a full-time practitioner. Um, we had a really good season as well. Um, we were we were flying up until about February time. Um, then the league results started to drop off a little bit. Um, but we managed to get to the final of the FA Trophy where we beat Wrexham at Wembley. Um, and for me, like that was an incredible day because... You know, bear in mind, this is my first full-time season working in football um, to, to come away with a trophy and win it with your local club. Like, it, it was just a, incredible. So all my friends and family were there. Um, you know, there was 45,000 people at Wembley. It was just like, it gave me this taste to, like, go on and keep keep achieving. So, yeah, I mean, it was just an incredible day. Um, but, yeah, I started my second season at Bromley, which was the start of this season. Uh, again, uh, as, I, as I said earlier, I'd made quite a few mistakes in my first season, so I was keen, uh, I was keen to like put them mistakes to bed a little bit. Um, so changed a few things, um, and then we had a much better start, both from a performance and a, and a physical perspective. But uh, at the time, I was so it, everything was going well. I was I was not not really in any any rush to leave or anything like that. I was still learning quite a lot. I was still happy where I was. Obviously, I'm really settled, living five minutes away, that kind of stuff. But I kind of uh, I, I saw the role come up at Exeter City Football Club as the lead sports scientist and SNC coach for the first team, and I kind of looked at it and I thought, well, I thought that League One would be like a really good step up for me because. League One, you've got a mixture of massive teams that have come down from the Premier League and the Championship that have, you know, come down to League One. And you've got teams in League One that are maybe overachieving a little bit. So with that, you've got a mixture of roles in there that you could lead, um, you know, sports science S&C department at one of maybe the smaller teams. Or you could go in as an assistant as a, at one of the bigger clubs. And for me, I, I actually really enjoyed leading things uh, for my season and a bit at Bromley. So I figured that, you know, going into Exeter as the lead uh, at a League One club, you know, at, at the age of 25, I thought that would be like a really good sort of step in my career. Um, so, but at the same time, like as, as I said, I was really happy at Bromley. I wasn't in a rush to leave. So it was one of them ones where, you know, you'd apply for it, see how you get on, see where you stand. If you get an interview, it's good interview experience. If I don't get it, then it's not the end of the world. Um, but yeah, luckily I, I got, uh, got offered an interview, went down there for an interview, 
had a really good interview. Um, and then a week later, I got a call from the manager at the time saying that he, he'd love to take me on. And that's kind of where the reality of it kicked in because at that time, I hadn't even comprehended moving four hours away. You know, at that time, it was just a case of trying to get into a League One club. Um, but yeah, I think that's when the reality of it kicked in. And then I handed in my notice at Bromley. And then for a good month, um, while I was working my notice at Bromley, I was kind of getting ready for my role at Exeter. So I was having like quite a few Zoom calls with the management team, with the physio, all kinds of staff at Exeter. I was getting ready for my role because they had a particular way of working. Um, and so I had to try and modify some of the things that I were doing uh, and adapt some of the things to kind of fit what it was that they wanted. So I've spent a good month trying to get ready for this role. Um, and then I think it's the day before the day before I'm due to move down there, I've got my uh, my bags packed by my front door. I'm spending my last night in my bed and I get a text from the assistant manager saying that him and the manager have uh, taken a role at a championship club. So you can imagine what my face was like at the time. I was like, is this a joke? Like, it's unbelievable. Um, uh, all jokes aside, it's actually quite a worrying time period as well because as you know how it is in football. Like, if a new manager comes in and brings his own staff, like, you know, I, was, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> So uh, it's quite quite funny in hindsight, but um, yeah, at the time, it definitely won't put it that way. Um, so yeah, I actually turned up at Exeter the next day and, you know, it was a completely new set of people that I'd been used to, completely new. But credit to the people that were here, they really helped me settle in. As I say, it was probably quite um, quite different for everyone at Exeter, not just with my role, but um, Exeter City have had something like two managers in the past three, uh, in the past 20 years or something. So like not just having a new fitness coach, but having a new manager. Like it was just, you know, the whole place was carnage. No one knew what was going on. And to be fair, in hindsight, it was probably one of the best times for me to join because as I say, I could have sort of gone in and been a bit more under the radar, I guess, as opposed to being that new guy that, you know, everyone's looking at straight away. So it was actually probably quite a good thing. But yeah, big credit to all the staff that were extra because they really helped me settle in uh, amongst all that chaos. Uh, and then since then we've had a new manager come in and luckily he didn't bring his new staff in. I was, I was kept on. So that's, that's a good thing. Uh, but yeah, Gary Caldwell, he's been brilliant since he's moved, uh, moved down. Um, he, he really buys into what I'm trying to bring and I'm buying into what he's trying to bring. And I feel like we've, uh, we've had a good start so far. So yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a whirlwind couple of years, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it all so far. Now I do mention this in the second part of the podcast, but it's always great to see our community members not only communicating on our community, on our platform, and watching the content and taking all the things that are available for them on our community, but also, like I mentioned, Max um, was chatting with Owen Jackson when they were both at the FA Trophy final last season at Wembley. They sent over a picture of them both on the pitch at Wembley, which was amazing to see. It shows the true impact of our community that we are getting coaches together, communicating and growing their network. We've had coaches recently from right across the world, Brazil, Germany, Sweden, USA, Scotland, Australia, England, Ireland, all sign up to the community. So if you've not already signed up, you can get yourself a free month by going to footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign yourself up there. You'll get a free month to see what the community is all about. After that free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward. You get continued access to all the webinars and presentations that are available on there. You also can get added into our WhatsApp group where there's some great conversations going down. Recently, we've been speaking about blood flow restriction, been speaking about creating opportunities, um, loads of great chats have been going on in the community, so make sure you go and sign up, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign up there. Here's part two of the podcast with Max Kane. There's the true realities of football right there, isn't there? Bags packed, ready to move, and then things just change in a matter of minutes, but... I think there's it's such a great breakdown that, and I know we spoke about a little bit of that before we started recording, but you gave a really good breakdown. You used lucky a lot when you were describing things. I, I don't believe there's so much luck involved in some of the stuff that you've done. And other people have talked about this as well. I feel like as practitioners and coaches, you've got to give yourselves credit that you put yourselves out there, don't you? You put you go to your interviews, you work on, you, you talked about making mistakes and correcting those mistakes and learning from those mistakes. I think there's a lot involved in it. And I think that then creates your own look, like landing roles and being in different positions that comes off the back of a lot of hard work. That's just my my point of view, my perspective. But that's why I feel like someone like yourself is that's why you, you're in a role like you are now. Um, I wanted to take you back, Max, to 
the internships. And anyone that's listening now that is either on an internship, possibly looking to do an internship, I want to try and discuss some of the, some of the lessons that you took from that. Because obviously you talked about the first one that you did, not turning up enough, not taking enough from the opportunity. But in terms of reflections now, what would be some advice that you'd give to people on an internship to really maximise that opportunity wherever it is? Yeah, uh, 100%. So the first thing, you've just got to be there. And I think with my with my internship, I, I, wasn't, fortunate, I wasn't fortunate enough to have a sandwich year placement or anything like that. So maybe it was uh, in part down to the design of the degree. So I was still, you know, a full-time student. I still had to be at uni on different days at different times. So that kind of might have dictated when I could have gone in as much, but definitely in hindsight, I definitely could have gone over and beyond to try and be there as much as I could have. So the first thing you want to do is be there as much as you can, because really you want to immerse yourself in that environment. And what I mean by that is, you're, you're there you're asking questions you're you're learning off the people that are there because ultimately that's kind of like what you want to go and be so if you're really dedicated and passionate enough to to want to work in football you'd have to really show that even though you're not being paid and it can be quite disheartening at the time but like if if you, essentially you want to be that person so it makes sense to be there as much as you can to try and absorb as much um and then definitely on top of that i, I would say try and be confident there as well like so don't try and hide away and 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 just sort of tick over a little bit really throw yourself in so try and th- like take warm-ups for example even though you might not have a clue how to take a warm-up like you really want to chuck yourself in that deep end so you can learn from that and I know it's a lot easier said than done at the time uh, because when you're young and you're going into internship it quite it can be quite an, an intimidating environment but I would definitely say my advice would be to really throw yourself in uh, because as I say from, from it's the mistakes that you make that help you learn and help you develop that massively so um, I, I also think that the, the people there they know you're not the finished article as well so don't be afraid to go and make the mistakes like you don't have to be a top practitioner when you're an intern like you are there for a reason because you've shown initiative before in your application like it might be previous experience that you've had it might be that they liked the passion that you showed into your interview to get into that internship but that doesn't mean that you need to be the finished article going into that internship. So I would really try and use that internship as an opportunity to find out what works for yourself, really try and ask questions and learn from the people that are there for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Just on that, Max, as well, you said about like having the confidence to lead, even though we're all going to make mistakes, aren't we, in that environment at some point, because we've not got the experience yet. How much of your confidence to step up and go like, I'll, I'll take the one more, do you think came from personal training? A hundred percent. I can't really stress the importance of how good personal training was. Like personal training, it kind of forces you to talk to people essentially. And I, I guess it, it is different because obviously you're working one-to-one with people, um, but obviously you can take classes and stuff as well. And it gives you that sort of bit more confidence working in a group setting. But I think personal training, it, it does throw you in like, it's kind of like over to you now. So you, you get a client, they'll come up to you and say, right, I want this. And then it's like over to you. And you're then expected to live up to that standard to get them what it is that they want. So I think, yeah, definitely for me, the personal, I couldn't recommend personal training anymore. So people, there's only so many internships going around, you know, so people will try and get an internship. Sometimes they'll get beaten by someone else to an internship. And then you can be in a, in a situation where you're like, well, what do I do now? I haven't got an internship. I want to work in football. What do I do next? But like, I think there are so many other things that you can do other than being in an internship that can help sort of supplement what you're trying to do. Um, Obviously internships are probably the great, like the best way because you're going into completely specific environments, but that's not to say there's not other things that you can do to help you really get into it as well. As I say, a lot of the things that I learned in personal training, I've, I've, probably learnt more in terms of the gym kind of stuff from personal training than I did working in a, in a football club. Um, and that's purely down to just being in that environment the whole time. So a lot of the things that I do now, especially within the gym, the things that I've, I've learned in, in the gym, learning off other PTs, for example. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely recommend that to anyone. It's a really good way as well to build that sort of confidence as well, because you are literally forced to talk to people. You, you, you know, you're talking to a complete different mix of people as well. I mean, one minute you're talking to, you know, an old 60-year-old lady, for example, uh, who, who can hardly move. And then the next minute you, you, you're talking to a, a young man who wants to sort of put on a bit of muscle. So you, you're kind of not just in terms of you, your communication, but in terms of the, 
the needs of the different people that you're working with as well it can really give you that confidence to kind of adapt and I think that's really like a, a crucial skill that I've learned from a, being a personal trainer and taking into into sports science for sure. I think that's great advice. I think it's breaking down the role, isn't it? Like you said, the the internship is the most specific you're going to get leading into a role, isn't it? Because you're essentially shadowing that role or even getting experience doing that role. Well, then the step back from that is, I suppose, breaking down the qualities and the attributes that you need to step into the role, isn't it? And and PT will give you uh, definitely certain elements in that. I also think there's a there's others that will lead into that as well, even non-specific things. We've talked about it before, like people have spoke about bar work and yeah. bar work. Funnily enough, I, uh, I, I know I said I wanted to do something a bit more specific than working in a supermarket, but I actually did do a little bit of supermarket work as well. And I'll tell you what, like the amount of communication that you need to have, like the level of communication you need to have to to operate in some pretty sticky situations when you're working on a supermarket, like it's incredible. And like, if you can do it in some of them situations, you know, working with footballers who can be really good, they can be awkward at times. Like it, it does really prepare you to go into that. So obviously you want to try and be as specific as you can with the internships, but obviously that with the crowded job market these days, you know, everyone's going for these internships and it's getting increasingly difficult to get onto internships. So you need to look at other potential ways that you can help beef up your CV that might help you future on. Yeah. And then I think off the back of that is being confident enough to talk about those, those skills that you've developed, isn't it? Because if you've yeah. spent time developing yourself as a PT or developed communication skills in whatever role it is, it's really underlying what you've developed and the skills that you can bring to that role. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. Max, I wanted to get a little bit of advice from you as well on anyone looking to land their first role. Have you, you've, you've spoke about getting into these different opportunities um, and how they've come about. But if anyone right now is looking to land their first role, maybe they've been through the inter internships, they've got those on the CV, maybe they've picked up a bit of PT or whatever it is, they feel like they've got the attributes ready to land the first role. From your experience, what would be your advice now for them? I would just say keep going. So like I I had an unbelievable amount of like failed job applications. So whether that's been not even getting to an interview stage or having interviews and then being let down because of certain things, like I I, I think the best way to do it is just to keep on trying. And because really like for me, the, the interviews that I went on, they they kind of really helped me to learn as well. So you have to kind of like, look at the sort of questions they're asking you. What are the questions they're asking you? What, what is that trying to tell you about what they're looking for? Um, obviously, in terms of some some interviews are, are practical as well, so you can kind of get a feel for what it is that you need to show from a practical sense as well. Um, you know, I, I had an interview at Fulham once, I think it was, uh, and it was for a like a rehab role. Like, I've got no background like in rehabilitation or anything like that, but I kind of just went for the role because I, I was that po at that point, I just wanted to get a paid job that was maybe like related to, to what it was that I wanted to do. So, but, so I went down to the interview and, you know, like bear in mind, I'm not from a rehab background. So I've gone in and, you know, some of the questions they're asking me, I've got no clue what, what the answers are, but I've had to do like a practical session, but even that sort of stuff, it's given me an insight onto what that side of things. So like you, for me, you just got to keep the confidence that you're eventually going to get it. Because as I say, I, I've been there, there's been stages where I've been let down from interviews and, you know, I was absolutely distraught really because you know you really feel like you've done well you really it, as i say it's tough because like all, all your mates are maybe in paid work and they're getting you know good money for what they're doing and you've spent all this time at uni um learning and doing all this unpaid work and then you, you're trying to go for a paid job and it's not coming and you're like oh why am i even doing this like it's it's just not going to happen but i think that the more and more you try and and, and just try to take as much from every application always ask for feedback uh, because and to be fair some places i know they're not that great at feedback and you just gotta have to accept it a little bit but if them some people that do give you feedback you really have to treasure what it is they're saying because they've seen you firsthand and seen what you can improve on and if you can get that feedback and take that into your, your next sort of application you you're almost a step closer to it as well um, but I think as soon as you do get that sort of first role, then it kind of it starts a bit of a domino effect, obviously, because you're on the ladder at that point and then you're able to then get experience and then use that within your next job application and stuff. But yeah, I, I definitely think getting that first role is probably probably the hardest one. Um, but 
just just keep on going um as i say just try and take little bits from everything every application that you're doing and try and better yourself every time i'd say that's my main advice and just to pick up on one of the things you mentioned before about i suppose your personal career options was that the options of looking at this stage in your career of going into like an assistant role at a, a championship club maybe premier league club versus leading a program like you're doing right now what was the sort of thought process behind that well I, I, it's not to say that I, I wouldn't have taken an assistant role like I think the advantage of being an assistant at say a bigger club for example is you, you're, you're learning off people that are you know established who have been around for a while that have you know probably got a lot more knowledge than I do at the moment and it's a really good place to absorb things from. So in a way, it's kind of the way that I see it. It's not, not an internship, obviously, but you're almost doing a a learning role as much. Uh, where, whereas for me, the the attraction of leading my own kind of thing is because obviously my time at Bromley, I've really enjoyed that. And I was learning a lot on the job as it was. Um, so to, to kind of get that opportunity to do it at a League One club was really attractive to me. And I just think like, if you're able to to lead one, um, you're... you're, you're the level of responsibility that you have is is completely different. So for me, like if if you're so if, if the manager asks, oh, is this person ready to train? It's it's you that has to give that decision. And I think that's completely different than if you're working as assistant, you know, you're you're forming a part of a of a team that that's underneath someone who then makes that decision. Whereas like I'm in a position where I have to make them decisions. And for me, like that really kind of builds my confidence and, and and experience, I would say, in making such key decisions. And I'd like to think that, that would help me out later on in my career when I go for the more senior positions at bigger clubs, because then I've kind of already been there and done it at a, at a smaller club, for example. So, as I say, I don't think it's I don't think it's better or worse than being an assistant somewhere because there's pros and cons to both. But for me personally, I think at the stage of the career that I'm at, I think I will learn more definitely from sort of finding things out for myself a little bit and trying to sort of install philosophies and stuff that I can try and control, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I think from this as well, from everything you're talking about, there's been a lot of decisions that got have gone into each role each time that you've made them. And I think that's the important thing for people to, to consider because you spoke before about working with academy players and first team players. You decided that for your skill set, it was it felt more right for you to work with first team and then the whole assistant and leading. I think there's a lot of different options, isn't there, that you, and different pathways you can go, go down. It's not to say one is suited for everyone, but I think it's important to do what you've done and to, and to discuss your mindset when these options and these roles come apparent and come available. Yeah, you have to you have to weigh up what you think is best for your for your career development, I think. And as I said, like I, with, with my Bromley role, I would have been happy to stay there because like it was still, I'm still in my leadership role, but I'm still learning a lot. And, and I'm in the National League, which is a good standard, if I'm honest. But to have that sort of opportunity to then go do that at League One Club, um, you know, it was just, it was something that I couldn't really turn down, if I'm honest. But funnily enough, like in terms of the infrastructure of, the, of Bromley and, and Exeter City, uh, you know, I, I probably had more at Bromley, if I'm honest. So like at Bromley during my second year, we we got a strength and conditioning coach in. We had quite a few interns. So I actually felt like I had a lot less responsibility while I was at Bromley. But then as soon as I turned up at Exeter City, a League One club, it's like I'm completely by myself. I'm a one-man army. I don't have any interns. I don't have an SNC coach. You know, I, I basically do about four or five different jobs at once. Um, but at the same time, like I just think that's so crucial for my development because if I can do that uh, all together and still, you know, come up with some good results and create a good output, you know, when I do eventually want to move on and specialise in a particular area, like I feel like I'm in a much better position to do so. Whereas if you kind of flip it and you're, you're an assistant somewhere, um, essentially you will want to eventually come out of that role um, to go and lead it somewhere. But if you've not had that leadership experience before, then you're almost not a square one, but you've almost have to start learning from scratch again, because you've not had that sort of experience in trying to, lead your own things and make your own decisions. Like you might have all the fancy ideas because you've been learning off like a really top, top practitioner, but having all the knowledge and skills is nothing when you, you know, when you're actually being put on the spot to make key decisions. And for me, that's where I think in terms of my personal attributes anyway, that's why I think being a lead is is definitely something that's more crucial for my career at this point. 
You've just touched on something as well that I was going to ask you because you just said about having interns at Bromley. Um, yeah. So you're now seeing the other side of the internship. So is there any anything in your role now when these interns are coming in? You're sort of recognising yourself from a few years ago, I'm guessing, that the opportunity that they've got. Is there anything that you're really pushing to them or is it just a case of just maximising the opportunity they've got? 100%. I, I basically would tell my interns... Um, exactly the mistakes that I made when I was at Colchester not to do the same. Um, I tried to give them as much responsibility as possible. And I think I've actually seen a bit of fruition from that. So I had an intern uh, last season, Sam, who's who's now got a role as the head of Academy Sports Science at Swindon. And when I left Bromley uh, this season, one of my interns took over that role, Tom. So, um, you know, obviously what the sort of approach that I'm taking with them guys, like it's obviously worked because they've actually been able to step up and, and get a role themselves, which for me is what signifies a successful internship. Like if, if I can teach these guys how to do my job, then, and if they're able to step up and do it to a, to a decent standard, then I think that's a successful internship. Whereas like with my internship at Colchester, for example, like I was only going in once or twice a week. If, if he just sort of packed up and, and gone and they asked me to step up, I would have had no clue whatsoever. So I think giving them as much responsibility as possible, um, allowing them to make the mistakes as well and letting them find out their own sort of ways of doing things, I think is key, 100%. Yeah, brilliant. Max, we'll move on to some of the quick fire questions now. Now, I was going to mention that anyone that receives our newsletter a few months ago now, you probably saw Max right on the front of it, top and centre, because picture at Wembley, Alongside, we will mention Owen Jackson. I know Owen lost the game. Sorry to mention it, Owen, and bring it back up. But um, the whole reason was obviously around the network. Both obviously members of our our community met each other. Am I right in saying that? Was that the, one of the first chats that you had at, at Wembley? Uh, I, I met him obviously when we played them earlier in the season, both at Bromley and at Wrexham. But um, yeah. it felt like quite a surreal sort of moment, really, because as I say, like we, we were in a similar position, me and Owen, and like to. Yeah, we're quite young practitioners doing what we did at the time. And then, you know, to be part of the community as well. And like, I thought it was really good, good thing for the community because, you know, to work at the home of football uh, in a trophy final, you know, in uh, in front of 45,000 people at Wembley, it shows that like the work that you're doing is really good as well. No, it was great to see. But I'll just bring that up because the, the first question I was going to ask is around your influences and who have been some of the biggest influences on your career? Yeah, so for me, it's a bit of a strange one. I haven't really had like that one go-to guy that one guru that kind of leads me through it all um I, I've had people along the way that have helped me massively so for example uh David Johnson was excellent for me at, at Bournemouth um and then a guy called Errol Umut uh who was like the head of medical at Bromley he's been a head of medical before at uh Charlton and Palace I think it was and he you know he he would sort of let me know when I was doing things wrong uh he'd let me know if I was doing things right and he'd sort of give me a lot of help but in terms of having that one person I haven't really had that um whereas for me I think I think like just the many sort of guests that you've had on this podcast and different kind of podcasts and just picking up things from p- things that I've heard like for me, that has been like my biggest influence. As I say, as I said earlier, like a lot of the stuff I do now is a derivative of what I've picked up on these podcasts. Uh, but I also think just like having constant sort of conversations with, with other practitioners and that's where like your community will come into it. So for example, I had a good chat with Owen the other day and we were talking about, you know, when do we do speed exposures or, you know, just, just having constant conversations with with other people in different fields as well. So uh, I, I, I'm in sort of regular contact with, Harry Easton, who's like a, a Power BI whiz kid. Um, and, you know, like I'm, I've got no clue when it comes to data science like that. So, but having them sort of good conversations with people and it enables you to get places with them and you can sort of really benefit from them sort of networks that you're creating. So, yeah. Brilliant. Now, there's some that stand out for me from this conversation alone, but what would you say is some of your biggest strengths as a practitioner? Uh it's probably a boring one because you've heard it many times before, but I would definitely say the relationships that you're creating with, with the athletes that you're working with, because if you, if you're not able to establish a good relationship with, with the athletes you're working with, they're not really going to listen to you. So having a good relationship, you know, having a bit of banter with them, but also telling them to work hard and do things when necessary to do so. And I think that's easier when you do have a good relationship with them. hundred percent. Brilliant. And then Going back, Max, we might have touched on this already a little bit, but if we could go back to maybe the time just coming out of the internships, what would be your top bit of advice for you back then? 
yeah, definitely just keep going. Keep going. Don't don't beat yourself up. Uh, it, it is definitely not the end of the world when you get turned down from a job or you get close to, to something that you want. Like it will come eventually as long as you keep on going and try and better yourself each time. Don't just go into each each application with the same kind of ammunition. You need to try and improve on it every time. Take bits from from everything that you do and try and constantly improve. Brilliant, mate. And again, we've touched on the CPD a little bit already. You talked about podcasts, ours, but also Rob's as well. Um, I'm going to ask about your approach. Is there anything else that you do? But also just off the back of that, in terms of specific podcasts, it doesn't just have to be ours, just big enough ours while we're on here. But Rob's as well, or any others that you've listened to, is there any specific ones recently that you feel like people take most value from? Uh, so in terms of the CPD, as I say, podcasts are probably my main one. Um, but also I'd say social media is pretty good and I'm not like a, a busy sort of or active tweet or anything like that. But if you follow the right people on social media and you see what these guys are tweeting or liking or retweeting, that kind of stuff, and you can just read such great content on there. So I'd probably say social media is a good one. Um, I, I, I wish I could do a little bit more literature reading. So I do, I do read the odd one, but I, I, I haven't sort of found myself scrolling endlessly through loads of articles and having the time to really go through them all. As I say, my role is quite hands-on, so I, I just don't have a lot of time as it is. I wish I could do that more, though. But definitely when I see it, as I say, like a lot of the stuff you see on social media is is maybe a link to a particular article that, you, you, you're, that you're interested in, and that's where I'll then sort of get access to that. In terms of any uh, particular podcast, uh, I've been listening to a lot of the Diary CEO recently, and I think there's a lot yeah. of valuable um, life lessons in that, even though it's maybe not related to football. Uh, but I think there's definitely a lot of... Um, you know, I think with with your podcast and Pacey's podcast, I, I find myself re-listening to a lot of a lot of the episodes because you know, once you listen to it once, you kind of take it in, but then after a couple of months, you might forget one or two things, and then you might then come across something in your day to day that you think, oh, maybe if I do something that this person did, I could could have got around that problem or something like that. So I'm always trying to sort of refresh my knowledge by going back and listening to some of the podcasts that I found quite interesting before as well. So. Brilliant. I love the bit of advice you've mentioned there as well. I know you briefly um, mentioned it, but in terms of social media, I think it gets often talked about in a negative light. Um, But I fully agree with what you just mentioned. If you said, if you follow the right people, and I think that's the key. If you do follow the right people, you get, you can still challenge things. You don't get caught up in as much crap out there. Do you like there's things that are going to give you that little bit of information and you can still challenge it. You can still get into conversations. But I think that's the important thing, isn't it? Removing the fluff, the people that we don't need to follow. And it's kind it- of easy as well because you find yourself just sitting there scrolling through Twitter sometimes. But then you may as well be scrolling through things that are actually worthwhile to look at rather than just mm-hmm. stupid things that have got no you know, relative impact on, on your life. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's quite a good two birds, one stone approach to doing your CPD, 100%. Max, quality, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. I think there's been, uh, you just said there about taking plenty from the podcast, but I think people are going to take a lot from this one. So I appreciate you coming on and uh, being so open and honest on the episode as well. Brilliant, um, Ben. I appreciate it, mate. Top man. Just, just finish us off, mate. Where If people want to reach out, they might have questions, or want, might want a bit of advice, just where, where will you direct them? I would say LinkedIn is probably my best one, as I say, like in terms of Twitter. I can't even remember what my Twitter is, but I think... Um, in terms of Twitter, I'm more of just a scroller as opposed to a, an actual interactor. So I would, I'd definitely say LinkedIn is probably the, the best one for me if you want to get in contact. I'm very open, like as I say, like I was in your position before once where I wanted to sort of get in contact with a practitioner. Um, so 100%, yeah, my, my message is always open. Brilliant, mate. Well, thanks a lot for your time again and best luck for the rest of the year. Yeah, appreciate it, Ben. Top man. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Big thank you to Max for coming on the podcast. It's great to have him on. I I think there was some absolutely brilliant information in this one. I appreciate his honesty as well. He's obviously reflected on a lot of lessons that he's learned in in the stage of the internships and taking that forward. And I honestly believe what I said at the start that I feel like with practitioners like Max, they might talk about luck, but I feel like there's um, there's someone up there helping him out when he's putting so much work and putting himself out there and learn from these lessons. So he's doing some great work by the sounds of it. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be learned from him as well. Just go and give him a follow. 
He's over, I know he said he didn't, doesn't really use Twitter so much, but you can follow him over on Twitter, Max underscore K32. And he's over on Instagram as well, Max underscore K4NE. So go and give him a follow there. And also uh, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. Just search his name, Max Kane. In terms of takeaways for me on this one, I, I fully agree with him on when he was talking about the benefits of personal training. I think personal training get, gets... Um, put in a bit of a bad light a lot of the time because like all these things there's there's a lot of people out there probably using it for the wrong reasons or not doing the best job you can also get qualified pretty quickly as a PT as well but ignoring that and really focusing on the benefits you being in control of someone's training having to communicate with them either on a one-to-one basis or a small group basis even if it is someone looking um, at achieving results that is nothing to do with football I think there's a lot of benefits to be had from that and also gaining different experiences so we spoke about non-specific experiences obviously the most specific you're going to get in terms of experiences working in sports science in football it is an internship in sports science but if you can't get that right now think about the step back from that what are some of the skills that you're going to be needed to be uh, using in that role communicating with people, working as part of a team. There's a lot of different ways you can go about collecting those skills from non-specific football environments. And if it and, and that is something to really maximise and also something, like I mentioned in the episode, to talk about when applying for those roles. And also, the other thing was, what uh, Max mentioned, was utilising social media, but following the right people. It's something that I personally do. Well, I say... I was going to say um, frequently, but it's probably not as frequently as what it should be. But I do go through my personal uh, my personal social media and also the business social media and try and follow or unfollow people that I'm either going to be, my general rule is I'm either entertained by them or educated by them. And if they don't fall into one of them categories, I tend to unfollow because we can get caught up in a lot of content out there and we want to be either entertained if that's what we're looking for or educated because I think once it's used in that way it can be extremely valuable and a really great tool to be used so just try and think about that in terms of the use of social media I, I don't I think there's a lot of great stuff on there but there's a lot of stuff that can be take that can take away our attention and our focus as well so you have to be quite strict on it um, and maybe go through it a few times a year just to make sure that you're following the right people but Again, I think there's loads of great information in this one. I really appreciate Max coming on. I'm sure you took plenty from it. And please give it a share um, on socials, tag people in, send it out to people that you think will really benefit, especially anyone that's in that sort of part of their career where they're going through an internship um, or looking to do an internship because I think there's some great advice, career advice for them in this episode. Make sure as well, just one final thing, Go and give our sponsors a follow. Go and check out Rezzle. They're doing some incredible work in terms of VR. Um, it's a company that is on the up and they've always got something new coming out and a, and a big part of what we do and I really appreciate their support. So go and give them a follow over on socials at Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L, over on socials. Thanks again for listening. I will speak to you again next week in episode 217.